All right. Good morning, church. It's good to see all of you here. We just finished up a series called Blessed to Be or Not to Be. So how many of you are blessed this morning? Amen. So if you missed any of those messages, be sure and get online at uh, churchpluggedin.com and check those out. You can listen to those. We have the notes online and and those things that you can use to just follow along with. And uh, uh, so you can check that out there. But this morning, I want to start a brand new series called Spirit and Truth. Spirit and Truth. And this is this is part one, and this is on, on worship, and we're going to talk about what worship means and, and that sort of thing. So a little, little different, um, uh, you know, uh, this morning as far as how we present this. It's, uh, I thought it was going to go a little different as I started studying, and, and it turned out it was just a totally different direction for this first message. And then as, as we keep going, so there's a lot of material, and we'll be able to just cover everything that, that I believe the Lord wants me to cover over the next uh, several weeks. And so... Uh, we'll buckle in for, for part one here. So let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer just one more time before we get started. Father God, we just, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. Thank you you're here with us because we're here and you are in us. And so, Father, you are in our midst. And, and Lord, I just think that we can open up our hearts to receive from you, receive of your word, what you're speaking to me, what you're speaking here to us here at The Connection. And I thank you, Father God, for this word. And Lord, I give you praise, going on for it in Jesus' name. I just thank you, Lord, that we can just focus on you for this short time here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, you know, you may have uh, heard in the gospel message that, series that we had done earlier this year, and I talked about the first thing, the first part of the gospel. There's four different things, I think, general areas that when we're sharing the gospel that we need to share And the first one is that God created the earth. God is our creator. And because God created the earth, and because God created all things, He is our authority. He is our uh, he is the supreme authority. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's the one who spit the stars out and uh and the heavens and everything. He he created everything that we see. So uh, he is our authority. And the second thing with that, with the gospel, is that man rebelled against that authority. And so as rebels, okay, as rebels, we, um, when we come and give our life to Christ and we realize that third and fourth part where Christ, he, he's came and he died for our sins and he did that to take away our sins. And then the fourth thing is we can respond to that by believing with our mouths, confessing, and then we can be saved. So say amen to that, right? Amen. So, uh, but man rebelled from God. And as rebels, when we become Christians, okay, and we, you know, we, we know that term and we know the terminology and when we become Christians, it's our, it's mandated in us to worship our creator, to serve him, to now that the breach that was caused by our rebellion now that breach has now been mended. And as it's been mended, now we are to serve God. And we're to serve Him in worship. We're to serve Him with our whole hearts. The first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second one is to love others. So He put us here. And as that breach, as that breach got, got, got closed up, and as we became one with the Father again, and as He began to... to to show us things and reveal things, 
that's when we begin to get real thankful and God gives us a, a thankful heart. We begin to get grateful because of what he's done. And therefore, as the scripture says and as the scripture commands us to do, we are to worship God. Now, I was, I was reading online and sometimes I'll read about you know, different people and what they have to say about the different subjects before I'll, I'll talk about it. And, and uh, I just like to just hear what others, others' thoughts are. And I was reading an in, in article a little bit, and honestly, I didn't really like it all that much. And, and I just happened to s- scroll down to the comments at the, at the bottom of this article. And somebody was making a comment that, you know, God doesn't demand worship. And uh, he said, you know, we have free will. We th- and, and yes, we do have free will, but God does demand our worship. Amen. And see, that's something a lot of people have a trouble with. And the reason why, it goes back to man rebelled from God. And so we, when, we, when we talk about authority, sometimes we get, you know, it's like, oh, man, because we don't like, because everybody in general in our human nature that we're born with, we, we don't like to do certain things. You know, we don't like to be told by our authorities, oh, do this, do that necessarily, because our nature doesn't like that. You know, our children, you know, we have children, the babies, and they, they cry when they need something or this or that. But then as they begin to get older and as they begin to talk, and just because they talk, doesn't mean that they're just, and they can understand my words and they understand, don't do that. That doesn't mean that they like being told that. They don't like being told, don't do that. And one of their favorite words, okay, one of their favorite words is what? Everybody knows this. (laughs) Their favorite word is no. I was just on, uh, I was on Facebook with a a young lady uh, on the the West Coast uh, sent her a message and had not seen uh, her for a long time. And, 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 uh, and, and her child, you know, he was, I was commenting on how, like, you know, he, he's so cute, you know, and I, I held him when he was a baby. And, this and, that. and so I saw he was getting older and he's taking steps. And, and she put in there, she goes, yeah. And he's saying all these words and he knows 32 words. She had it counted, you know, 32 words. But his favorite by far is no. That's his favorite by far. And, you know, they, they can be such angels so, so many times. You know, we look at them and they're, and they're just so cute. And we're like, oh, but man, when they stomp their foot and say no, they, they, they turn into like little devils or something. I, you know, sometimes little horns come poking out, you know, the, the lips stick out. Yeah, and they just don't look so cute anymore. They don't look cute. And, and see, the thing is, is we, we're kind of like that by nature. By nature, we don't like to be told, you need to do this. You need to love others. That you need to love those who even despitefully use you. You need to love your enemies. And we, you know, that, that just doesn't float with us because what do we want? We want revenge, right? We want, we want justice. But God says, vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So you, you give it over to me. And when you treat them like kindness, it's really, it's like hot coals falling on their head. So that's what the scripture says. But see, that doesn't line up with our nature. And by nature, okay, we don't want to worship anything. 
You know, we don't, we don't want to worship anything that God has said, hey, do this, do that, you know, with our worship, serve Him. We don't, because one of the words for, for worship is also serving. See, you're serving. When you're worshiping, you're serving. And see, so we don't want to serve the Lord many times just naturally to do the things that our flesh doesn't want to do. See, we want to worship what we want to worship. We want to worship, and this is, this is not really how this was supposed to flow this morning, but I, I've, I've studied so much, church, and I've got this much, and I've tried to pare it all down like this, and I'm going to try to get to this and, and give you the this. But when we, when we worship, a lot of times we just worship what we want, and it's easy for us. And we'll understand a little bit more about, about that part as, as we go through this series. And I believe this series is, is very important for us. Uh, not because, you know, oh, we don't know about worship. I believe all of us, to a certain extent, we know about worship. And, and, and you know, as I study and I think and I go into a subject and the Lord's showing me, hey, you need, to, you, know, you need to preach on this, you need to talk about this, you need to study this. I think I know something and then I get to studying and I realize I don't really know it. You know, I, I don't really know it like I thought I knew it. I don't, I, because there's just so much in the Word of God, and there's so much that He begins to reveal as you dig. And as you dig into the Word, and this is why the Scripture says, study to show yourself approved. And so, y- you've got to rightly divide the Word of truth. You've got to get in there. You've got to, you, you've got to study and get down in it. But before we go in talking about true worship, I want to talk about the opposite form of true worship, which is false worship. That's not really that complicated. We've got true and then the opposite of true is, okay, come on, church. We got true, and then the opposite of true is, yeah, you guys can talk at me. It's good. So we have false worship. That's the opposite of true. And so we want to talk about false worship. And the Old Testament and the New Testament is full of examples of false worship. For instance, in the Old Testament, you have the Canaanites. They practice ritual prostitution and infant sacrifice to the gods Moloch. And Baal, you can find that in Leviticus and a few other places as well. Okay, and then in the New Testament, Paul figured out that there was, you know, as he began to look around, not too much had changed, and we see that in Corinthians when he was talking about the temple, and he was talking about the the prostitution right there in front of the the, the temple, and then he listed idolatry as part of uh, one of the works of the flesh, and so we have this idolatrous worship. So not a whole lot had changed even in the New Testament. Because we're still, when we're born, we have that human nature. That human nature that wants to rebel, that doesn't want to worship, that doesn't really by nature want to serve God. By nature, we want to serve ourselves and worship what we want to serve. Isn't that true, church? And so, you know, defining worship can be a little difficult because it's both an attitude and it's an act. It's an attitude and an act. And we can look in the dictionary. We can find this definition of worship, adore, idolize, esteem, worthy, reverence, homage, you know, etc. It just, it goes on and on. But, you know, worship being an attitude and an act, we have, we have to explore both aspects of that. And when it comes to false worship, the psalmist in, in Psalms 115, you know, we read in verse 2, and he says, basically, it's folly. We can, we can see this here. It says, Why should the nation say, Where now is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever He pleases. 
Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they can't speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them, everyone who trusts in them. And so see, these idols that they made in the Old Testament were generally made out of gold or silver or bronze or whatever it means or whatever it means they had to put together, you know, to make an idol. And they would worship these things. They would worship the sun or a tree or just or whatever. There was all kinds of different idol worship, what they call, you know, an idol. But basically, it was ridiculous. And that's what the Psalms is saying here. You know, these idols are silver and gold. And when you look at that in verse 8 again, it says, those who make them will become like them. And, and if you think about those who make them will become like them, what are those things, those statues? They're nothing. They're nothing. And so it, when we serve and when you, and looking at this verse and using this verse, when we look at that, just like the idols that they made, the statues and this and that, they're nothing. When you serve that, there's no life in them. There's no life to it. And just like the things that we idolize in today's and we worship and serve in today's time, we find that it's empty and we find that it's really, it's nothing. Even though it may be or seem a little more exciting than a statue, it really, in the end, it profits us what? Nothing. Because it is nothing. So false worship is idolatry. And like I said, it was listed as one of the works of the flesh. And I want to look at that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. It says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envyings, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just if I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so here is why we are talking about this here this morning, church, is that last phrase, those who are worshiping and doing these things and who are involved in these, and those who are in idolatry shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And what does the kingdom mean? It's the redemptive rule of Jesus Christ in your heart. It is the redemptive. So listen, I want Jesus Christ on my throne, on the throne of my heart. I don't want self on my throne. Because if self is on my throne, the devil's got me anyways, and he'll just leave me alone. I want him, because if he's attacking me, that means I'm doing something right, because God's on my throne. Are you hearing me, church? And so this is why it's imperative for us to talk about this morning, because I want to inherit the kingdom of God. I want that redemptive rule and reign of Jesus Christ on my heart. And when we look at this word idolatry, I underlined that there in this, in this scripture. Idolatry in the Greek, it simply means the worship of false gods. So like I said, you know, false worship is idolatry. The worship of false gods as a worship of mammon. That was the, the second part of that Greek definition of that word. And that got me to thinking, and it reminded me of this verse in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, where Jesus said, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
You can't serve. So you can't serve two masters, whatever it may be, and especially when it comes to mammon. Well, what is mammon? Mammon in the Greek, this word is riches. But it's more than just that. It's not just riches. It's where riches is personified and opposed to God. Now, see, this is very important because the scripture says it's not that money is bad. It's not that riches. It's the love of money. And when you've given into the love of money, you've personified that thing. Just like the children of Israel of old, when they made the calf, they personified that thing, which was really nothing. But they personified it and called it a God and worshipped it. And when you do that with riches and you're worshipping riches, you've personified it and made it an image. And when you serve that, you can't serve God at the same time. You can't serve two masters. Are you here, church? So, now these Greek words of idolatry, back to that, the the, the root words of this. There's two different Greek words that are the root words of idolatry. And the first one is an image, like I mentioned just a second ago. An image, likeness, whatever represents the form of an object, either real or imaginary. Okay, that was the first root word. And then the other root word is to worship, service for hire, or as a slave, as a slave, divine service. And so when you put these two root words together, that's when we get the worship of false gods. That's what idolatry is, the worship of false gods. This is important. Why did I read this? Because it's the image you personify the thing that you're worshiping. When you worship a thing, an object, or something that, that, that is not God the Creator, because, see, we were made in His image. See, God is personified. He is a person. He is three in one. See, we are the image of Christ. And so, see, that's why this is, it's so important. These things, look, you know, I, this, I got this thing called an iPad. It's great. I love it. It's an object. But you know what? This thing serves me. I don't serve this. Are, are you hearing me, church? And see, that, that, that's, that's what the thing... Now, see, I can personify this. I can make this into an image. I can worship this. I can serve this if I want. And it can do all kinds of wonderful things and powerful things, especially when I first got it. Now, this is an iPad, too. It's a little older, so it can't do as much as the new stuff. It doesn't look as pretty, you know, on the screen. I don't have the, what do they call it, uh, the retina display. Yeah, I don't have that, you know. I don't have all the nice, but, but you know what? I, I, I didn't have to rush out and go get. I, I remember when I went and got my wife, I got her one. She got an iPad mini. And, and this is a really good example on this. I went to Target, and I'm getting this iPad mini. And this, this guy, he goes, well, are you sure you want to get this iPad mini? I said, yeah, my wife, you know, she, she really wants an iPad, but she wants a smaller one. This, that. But, the, but there's this, uh, the iPad that came out with the retina display. And I mean, this guy, the way he was talking, he was looking at me like I was crazy. Because I didn't want the retina display. You know, this great and wonderful thing that's going to change my life. You know? And he was like, and, and he said, now listen, and I, I've, I've got the iPad mini in my hand. I was like, no, I want to. He was reluctant to put it in my hand 
because he was trying to talk me into this. Why would you not want this one, the better one? You know, so I go up to the, to the register and he said, and he was still talking and trying to convince. And then he was saying, you do know, you have this many days to bring it back if you change your mind and you want the retina display. It was just like, I, I didn't understand. And I begin to realize, you know, this guy, and, and this one guy, you know, I've gone up there a few times to the electronic section. That's my section, okay? That's the section I like, right? All the guys said, amen, yeah, amen. all right. So that, that, that's, that's my section. And I've gone there, and I've asked the guy a different question before. And he gets, he, he gets going, and he just, he knows this stuff. He goes, oh, and that's the one I got, and I got this one, this one. And he just starts talking about it, and it's just like, Man, this guy's just got it all, and he just knows what he's talking about. And he's got all this stuff. And he's talking about how great it is. And and all the all the things. And I began to think, you know, I began to think about it. It's like, man, I th- this guy's personifying this stuff. You know? He he he's he's worshiping this stuff. Scott J. Halfman, he uh This is a quote from the God of promise and life of faith, understanding the heart of the Bible. He said this about idolatry. Idolatry is the practice of seeking the source and provision of what we need, either physically or emotionally, in someone or something other than the one true God. It is the tragically pathetic attempt to squeeze life out of lifeless forms that cannot help us meet our real needs. I read that. I had to bring it to you because it was just so good. It's so true. Just like the psalmist said when we read in the day, it's folly to worship anything but God Almighty. It's folly. Now, the antidote to false worship. We find we're going to read 26 verses, buckle in. In John chapter 4, we find this. This is the account of the woman at the well with Jesus. And we look here and we begin in verse 1. It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. 
The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The, worships, uh, the, the woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When that one comes, He will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Now, that was a lot of verses. There's a lot here. We're going to use some of these verses as our main text over the next several weeks. I want to implore you to be here as much as you can. And if you can't, get online to look uh, and listen to the messages. Because we're going to be digging in here. There's a lot here in this passage. But this morning, I want to focus on the worship. The worship. I underline those worships. And this is the only place in Scripture that I could find where I could see that the Father seeks. I also underline that word seeks. Because the Father seeks to be you know, those that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And it's the only place in Scripture that I can find that God is seeking something. He's seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, I could be wrong, and after service, if you're like, oh, wait, here, you know, show me. But I don't think there is, but there could be. I did all kinds of searches, and I was trying to find it. I couldn't find this phraseology that the Father is seeking. I could not find that. The Father is seeking those who will worship Him in in spirit and and in truth. And so having known this, and even if there is another place, that means there are not too many spots where in the scripture where it's saying that God is seeking something. God is seeking, and that perks that should perk all of our interests just a little bit. That God is seeking something. What is he seeking? Those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So this is extremely important. And the antidote The antidote to false worship is to be a true worshiper who worships in spirit and truth. This is the antidote to false worship. This is the antidote to idolatry, is to be a true worshiper of Christ, true worshiper of God. Now, this word worship in the Greek, in this in verse 24, it's proskuneo. It means to kiss, adore, to worship. Do obeisance, show respect or homage. The ancient Oriental, especially Persian, mode of salutation between persons of equal ranks was to kiss each other on the lips. Now, when there was a, a slight difference in rank, okay, one they would turn their cheeks to the side. But when one was much more superior than the other, 
He fell on his knees, the inferior one would fall on his knees, and touched his forehead to the ground and prostrated himself, throwing kisses at the same time towards the superior. Now the Greek writers use this word, this proskuneo, to refer to the superior mode of salutation that we just talked about. In the New Testament, generally to do reverence or homage to someone usually was by kneeling or being prostrate before that other person. Now this is, this is heavy-duty stuff when I read this. Because it shows, because, uh, let, let me just say, that God is superior. I, he is vastly, vastly stu- superior to all of us. And so when we look at, you know, how they greeted each other, you know, the, the ancient Orientals of the Persian, and this is what the Greeks, this is what they, they said, you know, this is this proskuneo. He said, this is how you're to worship. The mode of being an inferior to the superior. This is how you're to worship. This is how your attitude should be. Remember, worship is an attitude and an act. This is the level of this to be. To where you drop on your face, your forehead hits the ground, and you're blowing kisses at the feet of Jesus. Are you hearing me, church? This, now, now, see, when I read this, this is just, this, is, this blew me away. Because everywhere, you know, I see the key to us worshiping in spirit and truth is to understand and know and to have our heart right. To know that we are here, He is here, and give Him the reverence and the respect that is due to Him. And we do this in many ways, and, and we don't have time to go through all of them this morning. That's why over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about the different ways and the actions and the attitudes that we should have in worship to the Father. Because, and I want to look here quickly before I let you go, the key to worshiping in spirit and truth, I believe before we can even do this, we've got to receive living water. I want to read in verse 10, just one more time, that verse 10 says, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and whom it is who who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Living water. The living water is the spirit. It's the Spirit. It's not, and it's the Holy Spirit of God. It's not like the water that's at the bottom of the well with all the grit and grime. Oh no, that's not what the living water is all about. It's much more valuable than that. It's a living or running water. It's way more valuable. In John 7 verse 37, we see another verse that, that really helps to explain this. In the last day... The great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So we know that the living water is the spirit water, spirit of God. And this word living, just the word living in the Greek, it literally means to live, breathe, be among the living, not lifeless, not dead, to enjoy real life. It's literally what that word there means in the Greek. Now when you put it together with water, it means the water of running streams and fountains as opposed to that of stagnant, stagnant cisterns, pools, or marshes. And so when I looked at that, I thought, okay, when we put this together and we have this living water, 
What this means is running streams and fountains. And the thing is, is that God can give us His Spirit so that we don't have to be stagnant. We can enjoy real life because of the spirit of the living God that comes and lives inside of us. And it's not just, oh, a little bit of water. It's literally a well. When we look at verse 13 and going back to John chapter 4, it says, But Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give to him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a what? a well of water springing up into eternal life. This is an extremely active well that's springing up on the inside of us. That's what living water is. This isn't a one-time drink. This is something that we should be tapping into on a daily basis. And every time I see this, God doesn't want us to be stagnant. He doesn't want our pool to be stagnant or our well to be stagnant. He wants us blessed. Every time I see in the scripture and I begin to study, God wants what's best for you. He wants what's best for me. Don't buy into this stuff out here. Oh, God doesn't want us blessed. That's baloney. I'm going to tell you right now, God wants you victorious. He wants you the head, not the tail. He wants everything under your feet. He wants a living well springing up on the inside of you, living life, enjoying life. He wants you blessed. I, I mean, that's, and that, that's it. You know, he wants us to have life and life more abundant. And so the thing is, has, have, have you ever had a well moment? Have you ever had a well moment? In other words, have you ever been like that woman of Samaria, you know, and sat down and have that conversation with Christ? Have that conversation. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that conversation because she asked some questions. We need to talk about that. How many have questions? I know I do. I've had some. God wants to answer those. And the answer is that living water. The answer is that living water. And as we get that living water, then we will be able to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We'll be able to do that. But we've got to be able to have a well moment with Jesus. When we're there and we've asked our questions and He says, you don't even have to worry about it because I'm giving you living water. I'm giving you the well. I've given, God, I've given it all to you. No matter what you're going through, whatever's happening, whatever questions you may have, I want to give it all to you. The living water springing up inside so that you can see your way through that, so you can have that understanding. Can we all stand? Now through this series, we're also going to be going through worship and talking about songs and singing and the different actions and the things that we do to worship. We'll get there. But right now we're talking about the spirit of the living God. We're talking about our heart. That's really what we're talking about. And and it's more than just saying, oh, you know, have my heart right. It's, It's a little bit more than that. And we'll talk about that as well. But it's having an understanding of that truth and what he means by the truth what God's done for us, how He sent His Son. And we worship Him with that in mind. And when we have that in mind, it's easy to worship. See, when we're caught up, and we're caught up in 
idolatry of some form or fashion. When we're caught up serving ourselves, when self is on the throne, we can't see. We can't see. And we're stuck. And it's like, it's like a cycle. And we don't have that understanding. How can so-and-so and how can they? You know, it's like, okay, I'm saved. And so that's why we have to examine. And that's why we have to look at our hearts. Paul, when he was talking about adultery, idolatry and he was talking about these works of the flesh, he was talking to the church. He was talking to the church. He was talking to you. He was talking to me. He was talking to us here. He was saying, don't give in to these things. Because he knows, Paul knew how easy it was to get your focus off. To get your focus off. I want to say one more thing. And and, and, you know, I don't always, you know, say this, but I, I say... If you're laying your head down at night and you're miserable, you know, if you're just going through your days, you need that living water. You need to look at yourself and you need to repent. You need to repent from whatever is on your throne that's not God. I've heard different ones church say, well, I just, I don't feel this. I don't feel that. I I grew up in church. I did. Uh, I'm going to tell you, you got to get the right person on the throne. This morning, church, if God is not on your throne, I implore you to repent, to change the way you think, to lay those things down that are not pleasing to God. That's literally what repent means, to change your thinking, to think different. Think different. It's not just, you know, oh, ask forgiveness. That's, that's part of it, and that can be part of it. It's living different. That's what repentance is. Live different. Change the way you live. Change the way you think. Change it to what's in the Word. Can we all bow our heads? I just want us to just take a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, let's just all bow our heads, close our eyes for a moment. Just just concentrate on the Lord. We just got a few more moments here. Father God, those things you showed me this week, those things and how you opened it up, how you opened your word, those things that you spoke to my heart, Lord, I just pray that you speak it here this morning to those that need it. Those that need a heart change, that need you on the throne. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just sense in my spirit right now there are those you're here, you know, and you're still, you're just, you're, you're throwing it aside. Don't throw, don't, don't, don't throw away these words this morning. Don't throw it aside. Don't say those words, I'm okay. Don't say those words. Not this morning, church. Lord Jesus. 
Father God, right now, with those things that we need to lay down, we just put them at your feet right now. Lord, we repent of those things. We turn. Lord, we say we think differently. Forgive us, Lord, where we've served man, where we've served mammon, where we've served something else besides you. Forgive us, Lord, where you are not on the throne. Lord, may we this week turn and think differently. Repent, Lord, and worship nothing but you. Worship you. You are the creator, Father God. Lord, may we just worship you, Lord, and be about your business, loving you with all our heart, soul, and mind, loving others. Be about your will, Father God. Lord, may we worship you, not just in our attitude, but in our actions as well. Lord, may we fall to the ground and worship you. May we blow kisses at your feet, Father God. Lord, hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we give you glory. We give you praise, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, you are worthy. Church, let's just worship for a moment. Let's just worship him for a moment. Father God, Lord, we worship you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we give you all praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Lord, you are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to your name, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I am not ashamed to worship you, to speak your name in front of others. Lord, to praise you, to worship you. Hallelujah, 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 Lord. Lord, we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, you are worthy, you are worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you come and you dwell in us, Lord, and through us, Father God. Lord, you move through us. We, may we live and move and have our being in you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah.